0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, today we're just kind of going over the UFC 235 card that went down this past weekend. You know, we'll look at where some of these fighters are going next, um, like what good viable options would be for them for the next fight, um, kind of discuss some of the controversies that went down. Um, whole bunch of shit. So, you know, we'll just cover, we're going to, I talk a little bit about the prelims, but it's mostly fake focused on the main card and where those guys are going to be, what direction they're going to be heading in next, in my opinion. So uh, hope you guys enjoy. All right, lots to talk about today, guys. Uh, Great card over the weekend from top to bottom. Uh, Main card, some of it went as expected, some of it kind of not, right? Like, some of it was a little bit different. Like, I mean, the Usman fight being – I mean, I think people – there are definitely people who picked him to win and thought he was going to win the fight, no doubt about it. But I don't think anybody really thought he was going to win like that. So uh, we'll be talking about that. But really the action got kicked off on the prelims in my opinion. I mean – you got a lot of uh, up-and-comers like Johnny Walker with his stunning KO over Misha Serkinov. You know, you got to see Zabit fight a veteran, Jeremy Stevens, and maybe it wasn't his most, like, flashy, impressive performance, but it was a win, a solid win over a top-ten guy. Um, You know, you saw guys like Edmund Shabazian, who's looking like he got a first-round knockout, and he's looking like a real promising up-and-comer. Who else fought right below him? Uh Macy, what's her last name? I always forget it. Uh let's see, let me. Son of a bitch. I just had these pulled up. Here they are. Macy Chiaison. Chieson. I'm probably mispronouncing that. I'm sorry if so. But she had a really impressive knockout in the first round over uh Gina Mazzani. And uh Yeah, just I mean, an impressive card the whole way through. I mean, you look at the prelims and you got Diego Sanchez finished Mickey Gall. That was not kind of an example. If you got, it's weird, right? Because if you look at this, you've got all these up-and-comers, right? Like, granted, they're kind of fighting inside their talent pool, though. Like when you talk about Shabazi and he, he fought Charles Bird, like Macy fought a girl that she probably should be fighting. Um, Johnny Walker fought Serkinov. That's no joke. But like. The experience difference between Diego Sanchez and Mickey Gall is massive. I mean, Gall's record is 5-2 and two now professionally. And don't get me wrong, he's a talented kid, but he still has a lot to learn. And when you're fighting a veteran like Diego Sanchez who just knows the game inside and out, that's a tough fucking fight. Like, that's not a gimme fight just because Gall's a talented kid. Um, but that was impressive and a big win for Diego and a pretty dominant win. I mean, he won in pretty dominant fashion. So, you know, this was a great card. But uh, obviously what we want to get to and start talking about is the main card, right? Because like I said, there were some shockers on there. Uh, let's while, while we're on the topic of shockers, how about Pedro Munoz versus Co- Cody Garbrandt? So you've got a fight, and it's kind of like it's playing out, and I think Pedro was kind of winning some of the exchanges towards the beginning, and Cody, when Cody finally landed, man, he just couldn't like – I don't know if it really stemmed from the headbutt. He said it did. He said that's kind of when he went into autopilot. But to me, it didn't feel like that. Like, the headbutt happened, and maybe he got a little more aggressive afterwards. But when he clipped Pedro and hurt him, that's when he got reckless. That's when he started charging him down just looking for the kill. And it wasn't even calculated. I mean, he was just winging shots. So – Make no mistake, Cody Garbrandt is at a pivotal point in his career right now. He just lost two fights in a row to TJ Dillashaw, knockouts both times, and now he got knocked out by Pedro Munoz, who's mainly a jiu-jitsu guy. I mean, don't get me wrong, Pedro Munoz has great, like, he, he's, he's well-rounded. He's very good everywhere. He has knockouts. But I think that if Cody just would have relaxed a little bit, he would have had an advantage in the striking department. And that kind of speaks to his immaturity in the game still. He's got a lot of room to grow. Um. But for Pedro Munoz, what a way to capitalize on Cody being over-aggressive. I mean, you just knocked out a guy who was knocking people dead and caught TJ Dillashaw at the end of the first round. And granted, he caught you too, but you came out on top. And I mean, great fucking win. And for me, Cody's – the thing that makes Cody really good at fighting, which is his attitude and his personality and his approach to things and his hot-headedness, those things make him good. Make no mistake, like if you watch Cody's fighting style, he's fucking aggressive. It, it's made him good in the past, but he's got to learn to fight with a little bit more of a calculated aggression. Like, right now, he's he's winging stuff. Like, it reminded me a little bit of the Aaron Pico fight where you've got two young, very promising, extremely talented guys who just, like, when they hurt people, they just get so – they smell blood, which is a good thing, but – You gotta be careful about how you decide to put it on, guys. Especially veterans like Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz has a lot more fights than you. He's got a lot more, like, you know, he's got more skin in the game. He's been here for longer. He's been around the fucking block. He's fought some of the best in the world at 135 too. So, I mean, it was not an easy fight. And I think when Cody hurt him, I don't like I said, it could have stemmed from the headbutt, but I think he hurt him and got a little, he got a little bit too hungry and he went after it a little bit too hard and it ended up costing him and. Unfortunately, that's just the reality of participating in fighting. Those mistakes like that, they, they have dire consequences. And like I said, this has put Cody in a point in his career where like, "Watch, I bet So let's talk about where these guys are going to go next. In my opinion, if you really believe that Cody is world- class, you give him Jimmy Rivera because that makes the most sense for the landscape of the division, because he's coming off that loss, like Cody's coming off. But Cody's lost three in a row now. I mean, granted, two of them were world title bouts, and he has beat Dominic Cruz. But if I'm the UFC, I'm going to play this a little bit more smart, and I'm going to give him someone – I I don't want to put as much pressure on this kid. This is just coming from – like I said, in terms of the landscape of the division, and if you truly want to figure out who belongs where right now, I like the fight with Rivera. But – um. I think that Cody is still a promising prospect and he's going to give you a lot of highlight reels and if he can if he can learn to kind of, you know, deal with that attitude and the way that he approaches things and just kind of slow the fuck down. He's got a lot of promise. So I'd be backing off and I'd be giving him someone like maybe even outside of the top 10 to be honest with you. Like maybe someone like Cody Stammen who just lost this weekend or John Dodson, maybe a Rob Font type of guy, but I don't like giving him someone like, you know, any of the I mean, I know he was ranked number two, but after seeing that performance, do you really want to see him fight like Marla Marias or like Algernane Sterling right now? I don't. I want to see him mature a little bit and come back and fight those guys when everything else is fucking sorted out. You know what I mean? When he's got a good like when he's able to go in there, clip someone, hurt him, put him in danger, and then stay calm and reserved and finish the job. Not too reserved, like I said, like he's just gotta find a balance. Right now, like I said, the thing that makes him great is also his downfall. He's got to learn to, you know, manage that a little bit. And for Pedro Munoz, I like a fight against Aljermaine Sterling. He's coming off a big win over Jimmy Rivera. And, uh, you know, Munoz is a guy who's only lost three times in his career. And Aljermaine Sterling's a great fight because they both have great jujitsu, great striking. Uh, I think that's a really interesting matchup. And I think that it's a good fight for both guys because what Munoz just did to Garbrandt gives him a little bit of, you know, He's beat the number two ranked guy in the world. So it's not a bad fight for Sterling to take either, because he's trying to inch closer to that title shot in a stacked division. I mean, rounding out your top five in that division, it's like TJ's your champion, and then you got like Marla Marias is probably the next best guy, in my opinion. Then Hafai Alasanso. Uh in, in no particular order now. I'm just listing guys. But like Dominic Cruz, you know, Rivera, he just lost. But like one thirty and you got guys like Piotr Jan, who are on the the rise as well. 135 is one of the deepest and most talented divisions in the UFC. Second behind 155. I say that all the fucking time. Like, you know, there are a lot of divisions where you look at and go, okay, like, it's competitive, but it really starts getting, it really starts getting, like, deep and top heavy when you start getting into, like, the top five area. But 135 is, I mean, the whole way through their top 15 is nothing but killers um all right next was Tisha Torres versus Wei Li Zong and you know that was a close fight and I think Tisha did s- some things well but just small things made the difference in the ability that Wei Li had to control the fight that's what matters sometimes like if no one's gaining like a clear decisive advantage and you can just you know land a takedown or something or control some aspect of the fight that's what's going to win you the round and um I thought Wei Li had a good game plan against someone in Tisha Torres who's very talented, you know, still young, still learning the game. But uh, I thought it was a smart performance from her and one that gets – it's going to boost her a little bit higher in the rankings and we're really going to get to see her against some top-flight competition now. Not that Tisha Torres isn't talented. I just don't think she's quite in that, like, top-five range yet. Um, And for Tisha Torres, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't mind seeing her fight someone like, you know – like Felice Herrig. I think that's a good fight where both of those girls are probably going to want to stand up and throw at each other. They're both, it's a winnable fight for both girls. I think that fight makes sense. You know, Felice is coming off that loss to Courtney Casey. Um, she might be on a two fight losing streak right now. I'm not positive. I might be wrong about that. But regardless, I think that's a good fight. And then for Wei Li, you're probably going to, I, I like a fight against Cynthia Calvillo, someone who's pretty strong on the ground, pretty well rounded. She's coming off a win over Courtney Casey. And she just fought a couple weeks ago. So to me, that lines up pretty well. I think that's a good fight too because Calvia is pretty talented on the ground. And I think that's where Wei Lee is kind of – not that she's not a great striker. But I think that you know her ability to get to the fight to the ground is pretty important sometimes. So you wonder how it looks against a girl like Cynthia who's obviously a rising contender as well. And someone to really keep your eye on at 115. Um, next was – Uh, Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler and in all honesty what a disappointing way for that fight to end because you want to see you got the feeling very early on when Robbie slammed him that that fight there was going to be finality in that fight like you were going to get a finish and you were going to get a clear winner and you know in my opinion it was a mistake on Herb Dean's part if you were going to stop the fight you should have stopped it as soon as his arm fell and just went nope it's over but when you grab his arm to me it looked like there was life in his arm Like, if he was passed out, his arm would have just been, like, dangling there, right? Like, nothing would have been happening. But Robbie, he grabbed it and then stopped it. And I think what happened is he saw the arm go limp. And as a reflex, when you see that, you kind of grab it to see if there's life in it. But and most of the time, like, I think Herb prepared mentally for there not to be life and then called the fight once he grabbed it. I think it was a confusing situation. It was very... I mean bang bang looking at it in slow motion it seems so much more obvious but that's a complicated spot to be in. So it was a mistake but an understandable mistake and one that I don't think that you can criticize her too strongly for. Regardless. What like what's going to be next for these guys is kind of complicated because Robbie obviously wants a rematch and in my opinion deservedly so. I know that like Ben doesn't want to fight him again, but that fight still makes sense because Robbie was so close to finishing him early on. And, like, a bulldog choke isn't something that you see finished all the fucking time. Like, Robbie's extremely tough, extremely durable. If he could have got out of that, who knows how the fight would have ended. Um, That fight, for as short as it was, had a lot going on. You got to see Ben Askren, who's never really been put in trouble. He he got hurt early. He responded. He landed the takedown. And then Robbie eventually worked himself back up and got caught in a choke on the way up, and then the fight ends controversially. I mean, (laughs) there's a lot going on there for as short as the fight was. But I just think that, like, I don't think the rematch is going to happen because it was a finish. And I think that, like, 170, especially with a new title holder, like title holder or Usman, it needs to advance. And you, I think the right thing to do for the division is to book Askren against the winner of Masvidal until, until and then give Robbie Lawler. You know, I, I don't really know who you give Robbie Lawler to. You know, there's a lot of guys that – because, like, it's a controversial loss. It's not – no one's going to ever consider it, like – a definite loss. You know what I mean? Cause he was obviously still there when he got up. It was just a bad call by the ref. So regardless of what's on his record, you can still make, and it's Robbie fucking Lawler. He can fight anyone and still, you know, and it'll still be a popular fight. But, um, honestly, I don't fight. I don't mind a fight against Neil Magny. I got coming off a loss and, uh, you know, another one where it's like it's a it's a winnable fight for both guys and i think it's an interesting matchup stylistically you got a long-range guy neil Magny, who mixes things up well and a brawler and robbie lawler i think it's got potential for fireworks and uh, i like the fight for both guys you know and for ben askren like i said i think the winner of till and all does make sense um you know, Till's undoubtedly still one of the best welterweights in the world. And if Mosfidal can beat him, he deserves to jump up in the rankings. And if not, Till's still up there. That's a good fight for Askren. And maybe a win over Till, especially if he can pull it off in dominant fashion, earns him a shot at the title. And what's Askren going to do now? Because, like, you know, Woodley is no longer the champion. And, like, do you want to chase 170 gold or are your plans to go elsewhere? You know, I I, I don't really know and they're teammates so it's a complicated situation because you know in like ben's heart he's competitive he wants the world title but i mean it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out depending on the run that ben askin goes on at 170 like if woodley especially if woodley were to rematch Usman and lose twice i mean ben would probably most likely end up fighting him but i don't know it's kind of that's kind of a confusing situation but I think the fight that Ben wants makes sense. And Robbie, I'd like to see him fight like a Neil Magny. I think that fight makes sense too. All right. So, the welterweight championship, in my opinion, was. It wasn't just that it was an upset. And, like, you know, you think about big title fight upsets. And, like, I know that a lot of people, like I said, thought Usman was going to win. But it was the way that he won. It wasn't like a knockout or, like, it was just complete and utter dominance. And I, a lot of people are saying that like, oh, well, it looked like Woodley didn't really try or Woodley wasn't doing this or he didn't look like himself. You know why he didn't look like himself? Because Usman put him up against a fence and beat the fuck out of him. He dominated him. And it's – I mean – Woodley is no doubt extremely talented, but I've said this before the fight, and I've said that people fight Woodley wrong before. The way to fight Woodley is to eliminate his space. He's an explosive motherfucker. He knocks people out, and he covers a lot of distance on shots that he, in his takedowns. You know what I mean? He he does really well in open space, and a lot of guys, just by the nature of their fighting style and their, the stature of their bodies, like Wonderboy and Tiller Long, so they might press him up against the cage, which Woodley lets happen to himself, and it's still kind of advantageous for Woodley because he can explode off of the cage and land these, I mean, devastating punches. Because, I mean, like I said, just by the nature of their fighting style and how they're built, Woodley and Till just hang back a little bit further. They got longer reach. It's just their style. But it creates space that Woodley can capitalize in. And he covers space very quickly. But when you're fighting Usman, it's like a consistent, grindy, cutting off space type of pressure and i i thought that woodley was going to be able to do more to get back to his feet but i mean who completely just manhandled him i thought it was one of the most impressive title performances against one of you know you don't see that very often like even with gustafson when he like went in against john jones who's revered as one of the greatest fighters of all time right and he goes in and he's a little he's an underdog and he goes in and But it was a war. This was just a one-sided fucking beatdown. And, you know, like I said, against a guy who you don't think that's going to happen to. I mean, I know Woodley's had some losses and been put in some situations, but never like that. And it makes you wonder, like, was something wrong with Woodley going into it? Personally, I felt like he was trying. I just felt like every single door that Woodley tried to open Usman just slammed in his fucking face. Mentality-wise, the way he was marching him down, the way that like when the round started, he immediately asserted himself in the middle of the octagon and just he walked to Woodley, and Woodley didn't look like he wanted to be there. And in the very first round, I looked at my girlfriend after Usman took him down, and you could just see in Woodley's face that he didn't like the pressure. I think when he felt that, it was kind of like, you know how when guys fight Habib, they feel it and they're like... Holy fuck, like that's completely different than what I was prepared for. Like everything that I've seen and everything that I've watched and everything that I thought I knew about grappling doesn't compare to the pressure that this guy's able to put on me. And I think that's what you saw in Woodley. I mean, and you're talking about a guy who wrestles frequently with Ben Askren. I mean, what does that say about Usman? And uh, I understand that Olympic wrestling is different than MMA wrestling. But like... I can't like overstate how impressed I am with Kamara Usman. He is going to be a motherfucker to worry about. He doesn't take a lot of damage either. He's kinda like he's kinda like a modern-day GSP in a way. A little more aggressive, I would say, even. A l- throws a little bit more like, you know what I mean? A little more tenacity, and it's a little more dirty and ugly, but he's he's fucking impressive, man. I'm excited to watch him going forward. And the fight against Colby Covington is the one that makes sense for him. You know? He, uh, Colby Covington's another grinder who like, he just doesn't get fucking tired. You saw him work out, outwork Rafael Sanjos for five, five rounds, right? Or three, either way. I mean, he just really put it on. It was five rounds cause it was for the interim title. Cause Colby always carries that fucking belt around with his MAGA hat on, but that's a great fight. And, uh, I, they both don't like each other. Uh, Covington feels like he's been cheated out of the title before and now's his opportunity to step in and try to take it if he wants to against a guy who, like I said, my, in my opinion, one of the most impressive performances in UFC, like in the changing of titles in UFC history, similar, maybe TJ Dillashaw Burrell might've been a little, like might've been more impressive just because of the way that. Barrow had been dominating for so long, like nine years, and TJ went in and lit him the fuck up and broke him down. So like, but it ranks up there in my opinion. Like this was five rounds of dominance. There was at no point in the fight did you feel like Woodley ever really even had a fucking chance. And he's extremely good. Extremely good. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm I'm like I I keep raving about it, but I can't get over how impressed I am with Kamaru Usman. All right, and Finally, we get to the uh, main event between John Jones and Anthony Smith, and, you know, th- this fight kind of went how I expected it to, except I thought John would end up finishing the fight, and after he landed that illegal knee in, I think, like, the fourth round, didn't it kind of feel like John went on autopilot in the fifth and just kind of cruised? Um, I don't want to say, I don't, I don't want to make this assumption, and I don't want to say that John Jones took it easy on Anthony Smith, but... If you watch like the tenacity, and obviously there are more emotions behind this, but if you watch like the tenacity and the ferocity that John Jones fought Daniel Cormier with, even when they were standing, and then what he did to like Alexander Gustafson when he got him on the ground, it didn't feel like me, like to me, like John was working with all of his might to finish the fight. I could be wrong. I don't want to accuse him. Maybe Anthony Smith is just a tough, mo- which he is a tough motherfucker, no doubt about it. But. It didn't feel like John was. He was putting on more of a display of his dominance. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe making Anthony Smith feel like he was. I don't know. I don't want. It's so hard to say that because maybe Anthony Smith just ha- did have an extremely impressive, like tough defensive performance, which he did anyway, but maybe it was extraordinary. I just don't think that. I, if you get the John that like fought DC. I feel like he finishes Anthony Smith within a couple rounds. Just being completely honest, I don't think Anthony Smith had a whole lot to offer him. I think that John was just able to shut so many things down, which he does to everybody. He's so good at, you know. But, uh, yeah, that wraps us up. I'm a little late on this, but I just wanted to do a recap and get some of my thoughts out there on, you know, what happened afterwards. And uh, there's a pretty big fight coming up this weekend. I think I'm going to do a breakdown for between Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, who went viral after UFC 229, What was Connor and Habib? 228 or 229, whatever. You know, hot balls and all that shit. So he's going to be fighting Junior Dos So that's a great fight. Um, It's going to be on ESPN+. And I'm going to do what I can to get a breakdown out for that. But uh, I think that wraps this one up. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the podcast. Um, Like I said, UFC... Like I was saying, the whole... UFC 235 was a, a good card with some unexpected things that happened and some other things that you kind of saw coming. Um, you know, a standout performance of the night to me was Kamara Usman doing. I, I can't. I know I went on a rant about this during the actual episode, but goddamn, I can't. I can't get over how dominant it was. And like it, to me, the main difference was that Woodley. Throughout like the lead up to the fight and stuff, he seemed like he was concerned with like what people thought he was going to do, or like he was concerned with what people people questioning how he was going to beat Usman. And Usman just cared about winning the title. That was his only focus. You know, I think Woodley kinda gets caught up in what people think, whether that played into it or not, I don't really know. But I agree that it didn't look like Woodley, but I kind of have the opinion that it looked like a Woodley who just got doors closed in his face at every turn now. Um, but Jones Gustafson... Oh, fuck. Actually, I just remembered right now that on the show, I didn't talk about who they should fight next. I think John Jones needs to go up and fucking fight Daniel Cormier at light heavyweight. Or heavyweight. I Like, that fight needs to happen. Um... Because it makes you wonder now, like, if after you see DC run through Stipe and Derek Lewis the way he did, it makes you wonder if you were getting a watered-down version of DC at 205. And that's saying a lot, because look at what he accomplished at 205. But uh, if John wants to kind of hang out and defend his title, ah, fuck, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe Tiago Santos is who they're looking at next, you know, but it, you're going to keep feeding him these guys who I, I don't quite think are ready for him yet like those guys still need tiago santos has quite a few fights but i don't know if he's ready for john jones um but anyway yeah thank you guys for tuning in uh hit like subscribe comment i'll try to get these in better order i promise but uh let me know what you think if you guys got questions for the next podcast let me know and i'll try to address them and uh thank you for tuning in bye-bye